Welcome to the How and the Why. With John Barrett Ingalls. Exploring and celebrating the creative process and the creative purpose of authors, editors, and artists that make up and inspire the Black Hill Press family. Black Hill Press is dedicated to the novella. We believe a great story is never defined by its length. Let's get creative. Black Hill Press. My name is John Barrett Ingalls, and today it is my pleasure to be connected with Tuna Bora. Welcome. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really good. You know, it's Friday afternoon. Nice day. I get to talk <laughs> to you. It's pretty awesome. Well, thank you. Awesome to talk to you, too. <laughs> um, so, Tuna. You are the artist of the Tunabora series for Black Hill Press. I was trying to think of like the best way to introduce you, but it is called the Tunabora series, so it really doesn't need an introduction. I guess it kind of is self-explanatory that, that those are your books. But uh, you, uh, you did the <laughs> well, art. Well, it's confusing because it sounds like I'm a writer and I have a collection of books, kind of. But you know, it was their decision to name all the collections after the artists because that was the common thread which was interesting. I never thought in a million years I would have a book collection named after me. Not in the sense, you know? Well, it's pretty cool. I mean, maybe, you know... I'm not complaining. I'm just saying <laughs> it was surprising, that's all. But the books are... We have Avalon, Avalon by Brett Arnold, Bellies and Buffaloes by Thomas Munoz, 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 Oh, man, he's going to be upset. I butchered his name. Uh, and Sing for Life, Tin Pan Alley by Douglas Cowie. Now, how exactly did you get involved with this series and with Black Hill Press? Uh, it was actually Kevin who reached out to me, who kind of put everything together. <laughs> what is his title, proper title? Because I know you know Kevin, too. Um, what's his proper title with Black Hill Press? He is Black Hill Press. Yeah, he? yeah. I, I when I interviewed him, I called him the father of Black Hill Press, which he okay. liked. So I can see him like him. <laughs> well, I don't know if I'm gonna call him that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna let you two figure that out because it's not it's not really my thing. <laughs> um, well, he reached out to me. Um, it was a bit out of the blue, and I I had been considering doing more print work. So uh, the timing was very interesting, actually. And then um, he explained to me the project and uh, the way that it is different than maybe some of the other print jobs that I was considering doing. And um, it kind of worked out. (laughs) That's a little different. I mean, the artwork that you did for this series, you know, I've I've been looking at a lot of the stuff that you do, and uh, it feels... Most of your work almost has like an 
animation field to it. I know you've worked a little bit in animation as well. Um, but yeah. was this like kind of a departure from what what you were used to, or? Um, not really in the sense of making art. I think uh, the process is a little different. Uh, I did work in animation for a long time, actually, uh, in and out of feature and TV animation and also animated commercials. I designed them, and it's great. <laughs> um, and that, that doesn't come from working in animation. It's coming from how I choose to paint, I think. And um, that's why I think there's that common thread, mm-hmm. although I keep switching between all these industries. Um, I think that's just part of what how I say what I say. Um, but the process is very different, as you can imagine, with all these different kinds of work. And I think that's where the biggest difference comes with this project and some of the other things that I've done. Um, tell us a little bit about you. You know, we, so you, <laughs> you did, you've worked in animation. You said you've, uh, how did you... Uh, At what point in your life did you step into this realization of, I am an artist and this is, this is what I'm going to do? Um, I don't think I still say that I'm an artist ever because it's kind of a weird, I don't know. I I, I don't see the separation between, you know, artists and non-artists or people just create stuff in different ways. I think, you know, a mechanic can create something pretty amazing. And to me, that's creation just as much as making a drawing or writing something. Or like a chef. Um, Or a chef, yeah. Um, I mean, that's why I think, like, the terms are so confusing (laughs) in general. But my parents are both um, in the arts. And so I kind of grew up around it. And uh, I think I kind of knew that I wasn't going to do something else. And probably helped that my parents couldn't throw the whole, how are you going to be an artist and support yourself argument at me? Um, I hear that a lot from, you know, all my artist friends. And, uh, you know, they didn't have that argument. (laughs) So that battle was won really quickly. But um, I just knew in high school, and so I applied to art schools and went to college. And I used to, uh, I was born and raised in Turkey, and I came to Los Angeles for college, and then I stayed. So I've been working ever since. The fact that you applied for art school, I mean, obviously you didn't apply for college and then this is something on uh, that you did on the side. It was definitely something that you saw as whether you wanted to make tons of money or if it was just something that, that <laughs> you were passionate about, it was I definitely think, there. I think most people don't get into art to make a bunch of money. Because right. it's not a guarantee. I mean, now I think, no job has the kind of safety that maybe our parents or even half a generation from me kind of grew up thinking, you know, art is not a liable way to make money. You could not get jobs. But then now that's kind of everywhere. Right. So, um, yeah, you get a, a degree. and Yeah, know. that's kind of true for almost everything now, which is crazy. But um, it wasn't for the money. I think it's just because I knew I enjoyed doing it and that it wouldn't be – I wouldn't come to this middle life crisis going, what have I done with my life? Because I think if you enjoy what you're doing, then, you know, obviously the obstacles are a lot easier to overcome, but even at your worst, you know that at least you're doing something that you like. And Mm -hmm. and to me, that's something that I enjoyed seeing in my parents' life, 
and in comparison to maybe some other people who are their age, maybe didn't really exactly have that. <laughs> so I chose that life as opposed to maybe becoming something else, maybe making more money or maybe making less money. You know, It wasn't really the deciding factor. No, it's the, the ability to create and look back and see everything that you've done and have like a, a visual record of what Yeah, it's kind of done. interesting. I mean, if you like taking photographs, obviously you take photos, for instance, because you like it, right? Mm-hmm. But then um, when you look back, you have this documentation of your thoughts and feelings about things and, you know, a certain moment in life. I think in a weird way, um, not very literally, but just looking at something you created a while back, you get the same kind of feeling. I mean, I think that's not an artist thing either. Anybody looking at their own drawings from when they were a little kid kind of feel that, right? Right. It brings (laughs) that specific memory of what was happening at that time. Yeah, like it's like maybe something you were experiencing is on that page, but also there's a, you know, purple sun (laughs) and a house that could never be built and, you know, flying pigs or whatever you put in your little <laughs> image, you thought that's how the world was, you know? I, or or you thought that was fine. That's how the world could be. And that's right, so how, exciting how you to wanted see. it to be, yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you think back, you don't go, oh, I thought the sun could be purple or whatever. You don't think that. But finding this piece of thing that you documented on, it's very interesting to go back and see. And it's kind of like having a series of photographs if you have years of work when you look back, you see this progression, and not just in skill, but in thought and in, in how you perceive the world. Mm-hmm. And it shows. It shows in everybody's work. That's what's kind of really exciting to me about looking at other people's work, too. Yeah, I, I w- went through um, uh, some of your pictures on your, your uh, blog on your and your website, and going back and tracking to, you know, 2011, 2010, 2009. It's interesting how how just seeing how much you've changed as an artist, but then the elements that have remained the same. You know, I feel like you definitely have found your your voice, I guess. I don't know if that's correct <laughs> term for a visual artist, but you've definitely found your way of... of uh, sharing your experiences um and uh you know yeah while it changes it's there's something that's very unique and and you about it and it's it's really cool to speak um how how did uh animation come about because like i said your your art does have a very uh i don't want to say cartoony but i don't has definitely like an animation style to it your characters are more caricatures um, how did you make that transition or how, how did that present itself to you uh i think growing up it's one of the ways that i saw um certain ideas being communicated that appealed to me uh you can communicate ideas any which way but just watching a movie as a whole the, the stuff that i liked at least um you know i had something to say and it made a very vivid point of it. And I think that's what I was kind of drawn to and that's what I wanted to do. Um, Of course, you know, growing up and getting into an industry is a bit different than what you think it's going to be like when you're 12 or 15. Or even when you are graduating from high school, it's just like 
reality <laughs> happens. And there's nothing wrong with the industry whatsoever, but it's um it's not this one direct message sometimes. And um I had to go in and experience that to to see where I would fit in because um the way that animation chooses to tell stories and we're not just talking about American children's animation, but just in general. I feel that, um, again, the point is really vivid, but there's also a lot of humor to it sometimes. And mm-hmm. you, can, you can tell serious things with humor, too. And I think that's something that I um, I don't want to say it's a defining factor of me, but I think that's how I choose to look at life. And that's kind of close to my worldview. That, you know, and horrible things happen to all of us, but then it's kind of funny in a way. Not in a haha funny, but. No, just definitely. like a weird, oh, that's a weird thing to have. Like happen. you'll learn yeah. to take things not so seriously when you go through a lot of things. <laughs> and, um, it's just interesting. It's, it's a, it's a, it makes us human in a way. And, and I find that there's a lot of, sensitivity in animation in that sense. It's kind of hard to explain. This is just my point of view, of course. No, I, I, I get it. You know, I have, a, I have a five-year-old daughter, so I watch a lot of anime. And whether I had a five-year-old daughter or not, I would still watch a lot of animation because I, I love cartoons in general and animated features. But mm-hmm. there's something that, like, you, you watch a movie, whether it's a, a Pixar movie or DreamWorks or, you know, even, like, a Warner Brothers cartoon. And there's something that's relatable about all the characters, whether it's a, a rabbit or, you know, a, a donkey or uh, a toy soldier, you could see there's a humanity to it, but then there's this thing that separates because it is animated, because it's, you can accept whatever reality is in that world, which is not as easy to do if it was, you know, real people in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still, you, there is that element of, of humanity, you know, they're moving, they're touching, they're, uh, the emotion is real. So it's it's the perfect blend of fantasy and reality, I guess. <laughs> I think um, I think it gives, if you have a lot to say, and if you have a lot of ideas, which... Often I have a lot to say. I'm sure you're figuring that out right now. <laughs> but um, I think, I mean, historically that's what caricature did. It's kind of like being a jester, you know. You can mm-hmm. make fun of things that you can't really seriously say or points that may be too harsh to mention because it's done in this specific way you can take it. And I think... Um, there are these unspoken truths and unspoken moments and feelings about life that everybody shares that, you know, I think Louis C.K. calls it the, um, what did he call it? It was like the nothing, the empty inside, you know? Right. And it's funny because a lot of kids pick up on that stuff, but we treat kids like kids often. And then sometimes I feel like that's where they find that space where they know that there's something to learn in there. And and a lot of animated movies kind of go there, some more than others, you know. Oh yeah. But but the good ones, they don't treat kids like kids wouldn't understand. Their kids are extremely smart. I feel like they're 
repeatedly not given enough credit for their own wit and their own uh, sensitivity. They pick up on all these things. And I feel like um, that's where I found myself sometimes as a child. So that's why I gravitated towards animation a little bit. And um, it made me explore, you know, making a certain point in a certain way. And um, a lot of animation artists in their own have a lot of voice. You know, they have a lot of character in their work and what they do and what they put out just besides, um, you know, besides the work that they do at work. Uh, and it's interesting. That's super interesting to me. So I, you know, gravitated towards all of that as opposed to going into entertainment. And there's, of course, nothing wrong with it, but just designing very live action robot-y stuff, <laughs> which is great. But then it, didn't, it wasn't right for me. <laughs> right. We also have like a, there's, in that animated style, you also have like more of an adult perspective too. And it's interesting, I was just made me think about the fact that like everything that I watch, even if they're, you know, PG, they are more geared to children, but then have that over uh, arcing adult storyline to it. But you rarely see uh, animation that is, strictly geared for adults that, you know, probably isn't appropriate for children. And I've, There's I've a lot, actually. Not very American, but there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot like of anime that's like that. Japanese, yeah. yeah. But not just Japanese. There's a lot of French animation, I think, that is a lot more subdued and quiet and more adult, you know. But, you know, of course, culturally, I think over there, it's maybe, like, kids watch that younger than maybe here. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm not from here either, but our cultures aren't so different <laughs> I think in Turkey too it's like this is for kids this is not for kids it's supposed to kind of like what I was saying of course I'm not saying take a four year old to see um, Chucky <laughs> right. but yeah. I mean you could but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say you should um, but they do pick up on things and they're they're yeah I mean cognizant of what story is being told they're not yeah, just laughing I mean, at the funny you know rabbit that gets hit on the head I mean, usually there is, Looney Tunes is, of course, in a different place. <laughs> the animation world is so big. That's why I hate it when people call animation a genre, because it isn't. It's like just one tool, but it's a movie. It's, mm -hmm. They're comedies or they're dramas, and they do go in every direction, you know. A lot of Miyazaki movies, I think, they're very adult, but at the same time, uh, they're completely comprehensible by kids. I went to see a screening here in in L.A., and there was a four-year-old in the audience who could just listen. Like she would talk throughout the movie a little bit, but in a very endearing way. You know, she could pick all the subplots, like just right. watching it for the first Asking time. Asking questions about the characters and yeah. exactly, exactly, like things that are just so because Miyazaki's style is like that. It's very. Um, I think he makes a point vividly, but he makes it very quietly too. There's a lot of grace to it. It's not so you know on the nose with things. And, um, yeah, here was this kid who was, like, four or five years old and responding so, you know, on point to every little thing that he threw in there. Even to a point where I'm like, did I get that when I watched it when I was 15, you know? Did I get all this that this little kid is picking up on? And I think that's really amazing. And, you know, his movies are about, you know, coming of age and growing up, but they're also feminist movies. They have really great messages that are built in. It's not... I think in a way that's adult too. It's the things that we forget that we need to be reminded of. 
But not every filmmaker is as strong. And I think that, again, that's like a film thing. It's a storytelling thing. And it's, again, making a statement, making a point. Um, Those are all the things that appeal to me. So I started in animation, but slowly, I think, more and more, I I am pushing and want to keep pushing my work towards making the statements and having, like, I I don't care what the outcome is as long as that's what I'm doing with my time. Right. Well, and even um, even your pieces that aren't animated, they still tell a story. I mean, every you know, like I I was going through. You have um, a series uh, about the attic. I was watching or looking at all the pictures from. The, I can't remember if it's called grandfather's <laughs> attic or just the attic. Oh yeah, that was a piece I did when I was graduating. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, you. It, it does tell an entire story. You know, I felt like I was stepping into another world. And I, I think <laughs> that's you. what that, that style does. And maybe it's because I've watched so many animated films, but just because you create such a, a, a an in-depth image that there's so much to look at that it, it does, it takes you in as a, a viewer. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if it's not, you know, a moving picture, it still is telling a, a, a wonderful story. Yeah, I think um, as an artist, because I'm not an animator, I don't animate professionally, uh, that's the point, that's my part in doing something. And, and I realize, you know, there's a visual visual part of it, and then there's also a conceptual part of it. And um, for instance, that's an early piece, and I think it's, I was I was putting all my storytelling skills in one basket, which was mostly execution. And that's fun to do, too. It's really fun because in the end, you are trying to get a reaction out of somebody and people do react to it. It's very pleasing. But um, more and more, like, as time passes, you realize that's not all there is to it. And um, so I think over the years, my, my process and my work has grown more so to say as much with as little as possible. Because mm. I think I, that's the kind of point I want to make. As long as the message is clear, cut out everything that isn't necessary. Um, sometimes that works really well, sometimes it doesn't, but it's a learning process, obviously. Now, I know you've done a couple of art books as well, um, collaborations, and have you ever done, like, your... Do you, is there a Tunabora book that's all your work that's available? Uh, actually, there is. It's um, I, I self-publish some books sometimes. <laughs> it's more so for the experience of making them and uh, and putting them together because it's a it's an interesting challenge, I should say. Um, I did one book about two years ago with my friend Elsa, mm-hmm. and it was a illustration book, and it was the two of us. And I did an illust- I did a sketchbook that year, and uh, last year in November I made another book that's just my painting work, mostly painting work and some sketches. Um, I should put them on place, but I don't. Um, but Gallery Nucleus has them and uh, Stuart Ank and Q-Pop Shop and uh, Little Tokyo. Where is, where is Gallery Nucleus for uh, all to go and, and purchase? <laughs> they're in Alhambra, but they have an online shop. They actually um, showcase a lot of, you know, animation artists. Mm-hmm. And um, but but nice twist to it too because I think some of them 
a very strong editorial work or they have very strong, you know, children's storybook uh, point of view. So they, it's not just animation people, but I think mostly um, a lot of artists that I admire, I should say. Now, what do you, what uh, are you working on currently? What is, what's the future look like for Tunabora? <laughs> Who knows? No, um, I, I have been working with different kinds of productions and, you know, commercials and other short stories for the last five, six years. Uh, I'm still doing that a lot. Um, I'm I'm getting a bit more into doing print work. Um, I do some gallery work sometimes, but that's mostly for fun for me because it's like a little outlet where you can do kind of whatever you want. Um, I'm looking into making a collaboration work, book with a friend of mine. We came up with this little concept. <laughs> he's really talented. Um, his name is Willie Real, and he's super talented, and I'm really excited. <laughs> we were just talking about it last night. But um, in the long run, uh, I'm working on a narrative book, if I can, a story that I wrote. And, um, yeah, slowly doing more print work. I think um, just working on original stories because that's that's what I wanted to do to begin with. And I realize I have multiple ways to do, you know, tell my right. own story. And that's the part that gets really exciting because collaborations are great. Um, if you write with somebody, that's a different kind of collaboration. But if you're just um, illustrating for someone, uh, that's a different kind of experience because you're there to kind of um, explain their point of view. Right. And, um, you know, I think it just comes with uh, it working. Kinda, it and, handicaps yeah. you a little bit maybe because um, you're... Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does because um, how two people would tell the same story is never the same. Right. And, um, you know, with some of the collaborations that's a, a problem, some of them it's not. But just in general, it's... Um, it's also not you. You rarely want to make the same point about the same thing. I think, you know, the exact same point. And uh, I'm a oh, huge right. fan of the authorship theory. You know, I will always rather watch, read, or experience, or listen to somebody's very sharp, you know, considered point of view as opposed to a mishmash or whatever is going to make everybody happy. Because hmm. I think um, making everybody happy is great, but it's not what you should seek out to do with your artwork, for instance, you know? That's not the point of art. I think it is to have an opinion and, and make a statement. And uh, when you make a statement, even the nicest statement, somebody's always going to disagree with it. <laughs> right. So if you're trying to just please everybody, then I think you're it's too kind soft, of handicapping you? yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I want to make... Um, if I want to say, everybody is very beautiful, somebody's always going to say... No, there are ugly people out there. And they're not cool. And you're like, okay, dude, what <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. So even you know, even with the best list of statements, you can't please everyone. I, as a person, I learned that, and as an artist, I learned that. So, you know, there are a lot of people who can do production work. I think there are a lot of people who can do very beautiful stuff. Much there are people who are far more capable of doing things, certain things than I do. You know. But then I want to be able to say stuff, and I think that's why art existed to begin with. It wasn't just pretty pictures. Right. 
you know, everybody who made a difference. Capturing a moment or, you know, definitely having a statement. Yeah, I mean, that's quote-unquote why photography existed. And uh, that's not what we do with photography anymore either, which is amazing, by the way. Because I, I shoot sometimes, I used to shoot bands. Um, and uh, even when you're documenting, there's, you always have a point of view. And You know, I think the people who make make us admire that work and, and think about stuff, they they are, yes, they are documenting. Yes, they are expressing something from truth in one way or another. That goes, you know, it goes into making an imaginary world too. It's always based off of something that's happening. It's a reaction or it's an exaggeration of something that we're experiencing. So it's just a way to express ourselves. It's not just to make stuff. You <laughs> <laughs> right. just want to I make think, stuff and yeah, be kind of ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Look no, what I made. Know. I just made this. I had to make something. <laughs> you know why do people write? Because we're talking about black press a little bit. And um, why do people write? Even when you write a textbook, you know the history is written by the winner, right? There's mm. like my textbook in Turkey is not going to look the same as the American textbook, <laughs> even about the same events, right? And I think it just comes down to that. That there's it's, it's inescapable that we're going to have a point of view. And I think. Um, Sharing points of view is what progresses humanity. I mean, that's just my take on it. And I'm not saying I'm going to make one painting and it's going to progress humanity into a whole different age. But Hey, you never know. You never, you never know. know. But, you know, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to just pretend you don't have a point of view. No, we need everybody's yeah. point of view. That's the only way that we learn that we're wrong. Yeah, and if you're, I don't know, if, if, if we could accept other people's point of view, as points of view, I feel like we would be a bit more progressed in certain ways now. <laughs> so um, I think with art, you can make a point of view and people are a little less offended sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Right. And, and um, there's some art that people get really offended by, but... <laughs> Fortunately, I haven't seen anything of yours that's been terribly offensive yet. <laughs> All right. But that's just my point of view. Maybe I'm not doing it right. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, um, I, think, I think that's interesting. That's all. I, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I do want to uh, uh, get our listeners to go and check out your website. So definitely check out your, your Twitter feed as well. I was really, uh, I, I really like what you're doing now, you're doing these caricatures of uh, um, singers and songwriters, and I, I love it. Like, I, I think that that, I don't, I don't know if you would call it a series, but uh, it, why don't you give everybody your uh, uh, Twitter address? Is that how you, I don't even know how to say it. I'm so old and out of it. But, uh <laughs> Um, you can find me, uh, my Twitter handle is Tunamunaluna, it's T-U-N-A-M-U-N-A-L-U-N-A. I know it sounds confusing, but once you see it, it's very easy no, to remember. Tunamunaluna. Yeah, that's where you can find me. Awesome. Um, awesome. I, um, thank I'll, you. I look forward to talking to you again, um, and we'll go more into depth about the plight of the artist sending their point of view out to the world. <laughs> okay, well, um, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Right. Thank you. Sorry to uh, chew your ear off. <laughs> <laughs>
Is that yeah. that's not how you say it? What do you say? No, that's talk good. your ear off, right? You could chew, you could chew somebody's ear off. No, it's kind of Mike Tyson. I don't know what it is. No, talk someone's ear off. See, being a foreigner does have some of its downsides. Sometimes you say nonsensical stuff. Hey, that makes it all better. We we all, right. all can uh, share and yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're just a boss, so maybe I'm okay. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel good. That's um, that's why I'm here. Um, but thank you, that's, thank you, seriously. Sorry. My dear. pleasure. Thank okay. you. <laughs> All right. This has been the How and the Why by Black Hill Press. I'm John Barrett Ingalls. The show was produced by Kevin Stanek and yours truly. The music is Mea Lua by Bossa Zuzu. I wanted to thank everybody for your creativity and your inspiration and to remind you all to keep making art. Thank you.